It's the End of the World Show. And hello and welcome to Box 39, the treasure chest of magazine, music and the funny side of life rooted in our community here on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. I am Bill Lawrence and I'm live here in Studio One at Colm Radio Towers with Ian Tallentire, Mike Harwood and Adrian Cohen. So stay with us for the next 60 minutes because this is the Box 39 End of the World Show. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end, no safety or surprise, the end. Yes, our velvety pouch of pleasure this week includes a visit to India, the last red phone box, and our brand new house band, Imperfecto, making their debut live here in Studio One. So join in with your texts and tweets, we are at Box 39, or just kick back and savour our plump pickle tray of pleasure as we open the Box 39 End of the World Show. And all the children are insane. It's box thirty nine. short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima and destroyed its usefulness to the enemy. That bomb has more power than 20,000 tons of TNT. Line from the Hindu scripture. Few people cried. Few people laughed. Most people were silent takes on his multi-armed form. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Good time, except you, you 
Have a listen to this. What country do you think this woman is from? Listen again. What language do you think she's speaking? That's right. She's speaking Norwegian. Now that I've told you that, can you tell me what she is talking about? Just give me the gist of it. What is she talking about? I thought that you were going to stay and wait as a dog. I said to you that I wanted you because it That's right. She's talking about the end of the world. everyone welcome to our end of the world show here on box 39 and we've only got 55 minutes left until the end so we must keep going you're all welcome to uh, box 39 here on 106.6 fm Colm radio where magic begins and so you are listening now to imperfecto Now it is sad to see Auskang exit go, but we are at the start of a brand new era, and I'm delighted to present Imperfecto. Now, I came across this band recently when I was in a bar in uh, Delhi, in India, and imagine, imagine, gentlemen, my delight in finding they're an Auskang exit covers band. In fact, they were runners-up in the semi-final heat of Stars in Your Indian Eyes TV show. And so... I, I think that what really drew me to him is, is the title. It's got the word perfect in it, hasn't it? It's imperfecto, but it's perfect. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on there. It's not quite right, is it? Let's just have another listen. Oh, well, it just uh, fading down there. Now, Mike. Hello, Mike. Now, is this the end of our show? Well, no, it's not. Uh, but this is the end of the world show. An interesting five words, gentlemen. And what an odd theme for a show title. Is that you again, Mr. Lawrence? Yes. Or did Mr. Harwood chip in with a well-thought-out topic for discussion? No, no, I chose it when I sent him off to get a drink. I mean, where am I supposed to go with this? I'm thinking Armageddon, the sorting of sheep and goats, with REM and the doors thrown in for good measure, which I appreciate for many might actually be worse than Armageddon itself. Oh, well, look, look, stop there, Ian, stop there, take a deep breath, pause, pause through your th- th- thought, in your thought process, relax. Hang on, just rub that there, that bit there for you. Now, just adjust that hair, put your slip right forward, you can't see anything. No, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to feel It'll a little stick better. better. Back, back, that's it. Pat it down. That's better. It's, it's what looks good now. Now, Mike, let's start again from the top. And, and Ian, if you carry on that deep and controlled breathing between your responses, you might get to the end of the show. Yes, the end of the world. Any ideas? Sorry, sorry gents. I'll, I'll try and be calm. Well, according to the book of Revelation in the New Testament of the Bible, Armageddon from the ancient Greek Harmagedo 
or is that Megiddo, is the prophesied location of a gathering of armies for a battle during the end of times, variously interpreted as either a literal or symbolic location. The term is also used in a generic sense to refer to any end-of-the-world scenario. Now, in some accounts, I think Armageddon is pronounced Basildon. Um, what I try to find interesting is that place, uh, Armageddon, Megiddo, rather, it's made up of two distinct elements, isn't it? There's the mount and the plain of Megiddo, Megiddo, with the mount actually not being a mount, but a tell. That's right. A tell is a hill created by many generations of people living and rebuilding on the same spot on which ancient forts were built to guard the Via Malis. An ancient trade route linking Egypt with the northern empires of Syria... Anatolia and Mesopotamia. Now, my, my, history's my specialism. Uh, I'm going to have that topic back. Well, look, I was just doing geography. I coloured in an Ordnance Survey uh, map once. It took me three days. And I bought uh, my colouring pencils and everything. No, that's right. You stick with those. Now, now, Megiddo, what we refer to as Armageddon, was the location of various ancient battles. Modern Megiddo, though, is a town about uh, 25 miles west to southwest of the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. Well, what really fascinates me, Bill, is the attention it gets, particularly as the word Armageddon is only mentioned once in the Greek New Testament, in Revelation 16, 16. That's right. The traditional viewpoint interprets this Bible prophecy to be symbolic of the progression of the world toward a great day of God the Almighty, in which the great looming mountain of God's just and holy wrath is poured out against unrepentant sinners led by Satan. An end-of-the-world final confrontation. Armageddon is a symbolic name given to when God uh, obliterates his or her enemies. Ooh, I think I can quite honestly say I feel better now that the bit involving death and destruction is over. And thank you for the history lesson, Bill, and the Bible interpretation, Mike. It was very, very interesting. Sorry to disappoint you, Ian, but uh, I was wanting to move on to our obsession as a society with the end of the world, whether by a freak of nature or perhaps alien invasion. And how do we express this in films, television and radio? So, are you saying that us being on the radio will lead to the end of the world, Mike? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. But it, it, it is time, Ian, um, that Armageddon out of here. OK, then, let's carry on with Box 39 here on 106 FM Colt Radio, when magic begins. Boys, someone at the studio door. Can you get it? Thanks. Oh, okay, okay, I'll get it. Don't want to disturb your game of Connect 4. Oh, I bet this doesn't happen on Radio 4. Hello? Oh, hello, gentlemen. Hello. Where is it? Uh, um... Where is it, mortal man? Oh, I see what you mean, yes. That's just down the corridor. Just go past the station manager's office, and it's on your left. The gents and the ladies are right next to each other. Our gift, our bounty, our parcel, mortal man. Well... The gift of a lifetime that has been bestowed on me by the mighty goddess. Sorry, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Um, who, who are you? We are the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. 
I am Mr. War, and these are my colleagues, Mr. Famine, Mr. Pestilence, and uh, Mr. Smith. Uh, he didn't get full promotion. He keeps failing his harbinger of doom practical exam, and he completely messed up his prophetic tribulation multiple times. Oh, I see. Well, uh, Mr. Mr. War, what what exactly is this gift then? It is our tribute and our feast. It is the finest ales and the most wonderful food from my friend, the goddess of home delivery, the beautiful Hermes. Right, hang on a moment, hang on, hang on. Yes, it's our favourite Greek food, platters of the finest fruits and cheeses and ales from our friends at Mount Olympus. We get it on next day delivery postage free from Hermes. Boys, boys. Boys, where did that posh platter of food and all those olives and feta cheese and all those bottles of beer come from? Oh, I see. <clears throat> no, Mr. War. Uh, sorry, we've got our own food and beer. It's uh, definitely not from uh, any parcel that was delivered just before the show started, really. And Mike says uh, it's actually a late birthday present from his aunt. And Ian says uh, it's also a special treat he bought himself to celebrate his new hairpiece. Uh, sorry, Mr. War and uh, and your and your friends. I can't help you, I'm afraid. I, I think, actually, you need to speak to Adrian. Now, he's just popped out to the loo just down there. He's probably got them. He probably ate them himself earlier, while me and Ian and Mike were completely elsewhere uh, in the Colm Radio gym and sauna. Um, yeah, that's probably the best thing to do. Don't actually ever come back here because I think it's Adrian. Adrian has taken your food. He has. I'm absolutely sure you need to see him and, and blame him. We will find this mortal man you call Adrian. Then we will steal him and we will have our revenge and our stuffed vine leaves and small cherry tomatoes and roasted red pepper humus. That, boys, was the four horsemen of the apocalypse at the door. They must have got their horses right up here in the lift. That's incredible. Anyway, let's get back on with the show. Back on with Box 39. Uh, Ian, just before I start, can you just pass me the rest of those uh, stuffed olives and, and those nuts and oh, another of those lovely bottles of beer, please? Thanks, Ian. TVs, my brain 
hurt like a warehouse It had no room to spare I had to cram so many things To store everything in there And all the fat skinny people And all the tall short people You know, there are a lot of people who think the world is going to hell and we're all doomed. The signs, the prophecies are all said to be falling into place any day now, they say. The end is nigh. But I beg to differ. Never in the history of Homo sapiens has there ever been a time when there was so little tyranny, so few wars. Never has there been so much access to health and medicine, to education, to justice, to human rights. Never have more mothers and babies survived the tribulations of bringing new members of the human race into this world. Yes. We face challenges, we need water, we need food security, we need to fight poverty and disease, but never before have there been as many humans as there are now who are faring so much better than back in the darker parts of our history, so no need to be so down in the mouth. We got five years stuck on my eyes, five years, what a surprise we got. You're listening to Box 39 here on Colm Radio on 106.6 FM, where the magic starts. And this is our new house band, Imperfecto, with the contractually uh, reduced price, Ausgang Exit original, day trip to northern central Essex. Mr Lawrence, it's dreadful. to say they they I, they play pretty well i thought and it was going it's quite a noisy bar that we're in as you can imagine you well I, I was with terry i was with you know terry the calm radio hr manager and his husband malcolm and he definitely had a few and at one point they were both standing on their chairs absolutely screaming along with imperfecto i mean terry knows almost all of the lyrics of some of their songs look i've got I've, look, listen to this i've got them recorded on my phone listen So that was when I was listening to them in the bar. They sounded ter- absolutely terrific, yeah, didn't they? because you can't hear them. Uh, well, uh, and the sound like that list was, was just absolutely legendary. But uh, never mind. And they played old school Lego after two Weetabix, one of your favourites. It's one of my favourites, but I uh, think it, drinking beer made your hearing aids fall out. Oh, um, uh, there was El Paso to Stanway by Donkey. Uh, the Unseen Side of Welling Garden City. All great tracks, but... Uh, that's not it. But the thing is, the thing is, I, I did get them... 
for and they're not as in tune as I thought I would get for for their very competitive fee. Okay, now Mike, let's move on. Okay, as you know, gentlemen, it's not like me to trivialise any topic. Uh, well, particularly the price of your round, Mike. Well, I get used to it. I like to feel I'm the sort of person who strives to find and understand the inner core of any discussion. In fact, I search for the husk, the seed, the origin of truth within any subject. Just ponder on this. Why do we use phrases like the end of the world to describe the most minor acts in our lives? I'm not sure I've allowed enough time for a ponder. Uh, We're quite pushed for time tonight, but you've made a great point. And my instant response, Mike, is to say, because it's our our linkage of important items with important times or events, so look, this is a good example. If you dropped a coffee cup that you paid a pound for from Wilco, and you're despondent, aren't you? Why? Well, because it's the gift of your great aunt Nellie that she gave you two years ago for your birthday. Yeah, but why despondency? Because she died of tragically three months later. Oh. And it's the only physical reminder you have of tragic aunt Nellie and her importance to you in your life. An importance only you know and only you can see the value of. Ah, oh, see, Dundalk, I think you've actually hit upon a near-perfect answer. You've just highlighted you a physical reminder, uh, for me anyway, to the end of that fantastic film sequence in Mrs Doubtfair, where she waxes lyrical about how diverse, distant and different families can be and comes up with the phrase, the ties that bind, to describe the importance of those particular relationships. So it's about those physical tokens, the ties that bind. Exactly. So, you see, to answer the original question, why do we use phrases like the end of the world to describe the most minor acts in our lives, is because we're sensitive, quirky, we're emotional, and we're very much suffering from the condition of being human. Hello, we've just had an email in from a listener in Aberdeen, Dr Finley, who writes, We all have our overreaction triggers, whether they be rejection, criticism, tiredness or hunger. These triggers create stress, and our overreactions are our body's way of quickly easing or removing that stress. Whether that be road rage, tongue lashing, your child after tripping into them when you're walking and texting. Dr. Finley goes on to say that this leads to the risk of even bigger issues in the form of stress and tension. Well, thank you, Doctor. Well, it seems you were spot on there, Mr. Lawrence. We are sensitive, emotional, quirky and suffering from that very human condition. Well, we certainly suffer, don't we? Whether it's from the musty, yet strangely shiny condition of your hair pieces, Ian, or from the somewhat quirky approach that uh, Imperfecto have taken this evening on playing their instruments. Uh, It's time, in time, or even on the same page of their freshly printed music scores, which which I had done at Colm Radio's expense. All I know is that we've had a text from Donna in Norwich that she's sitting in the bath and she says, just Get on with it. Do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead rise from the grave? I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the seas boiled, and the skies fell. Judgment Day. Judgment Day. Every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world. Ray, has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason we've been so busy lately is because the dead have been rising from the grave? How about a little music?
the sun go on shining? Why does the sea rush to shore? No, it's not the end of the world. What's happened is you have broken up with your romantic partner, and that is all. So let's go through your questions. Why does the sun go on shining, you ask? Well, the sun shines by turning hydrogen into helium in its core. This process is called nuclear fusion. Your second question was, why does the sea rush to shore? Well, high tides and low tides are caused by the moon. The moon's gravitational pull generates something called the tidal force. As for breaking up with your romantic partner and thinking it's the end of the world, which it isn't, I suggest keeping your refrigerator stocked with chocolate ice cream. When the earth beneath their stone houses started to crumble, they said this too will pass. When the foundations cracked and the walls fell into the dust, they moved into wooden houses. When their fruit orchards withered in the sun, they ate cactus and fried lizards. When the rogue fires jumped the hill and rolled over their new houses like lava, they ran for the coast. When the waters started to rise, they climbed into trees and tied rowboats to the higher branches. This too will pass, they said, nodding, as they unhooked their boats and rowed towards the horizon. You're listening to Box, uh, what is it? 39. Box 39. Welcome to Box 39, this is Imperfecto. And this is Britain has only seen from its motorways. No, it isn't. You know, I was to say, it James. It's not. This is not the Let me explain. I was over the moon, especially when I started talking to them about their fee. I mean, it was considerably less than the small fortune Ausgang exit it's were charging. It's not about the money, well, Mr. Look, 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 listen, in fact, it's such a saving that several members of the Box 39 production company might be getting a pay rise. Obviously, it's a confidential matter. Management can't disclose any more details about who's got that pay rise and how much some of us have already received. Well, I know it's not me. Does this sound right, though? 
Uh, we've had another text from Lisa saying, bring back Ausgang Exit. There's a tall bloke on the bass guitar. Look, he's just throwing his empty can of cider at the drummer. He just walked out of the studio. Ian, Ian, let's just quickly move on. Well, so, fellas, while we're on the subject of the end of the world, what are your favourite films or programmes that depict the end of the world or could potentially end life on the planet? Come on, Mike, you'll go first. Uh, For me, it's On the Beach, 1959, film set in 1964, based on the novel by Neville Shute. After an atomic war, much of humanity has been destroyed. Australia, however, has not been affected, but nuclear dust is on its way, almost as bad as Brexit. It's directed by Stanley Kramer, stars Anthony Perkins, Gregory Peck, Ava Gardner. It's quite a film and quite a book. Yeah, do you I talk about my one? Yeah, go yeah, on. Go on. Bro. Okay. Yeah, go on. <laughs> All right. Go I was on, I was just slightly distracted by that that, that bass guitar just that can. Waste of cider. Yeah, look, I'm going to take Doctor Strange Love. What a film. Or oh, it's, it's it's full title it's called Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. It's quite old, not quite as old as me, but 1964 political satire uh, is black and white. But it's a black comedy. And uh, the whole satire is really about the Cold War. And everyone at the time feared a nuclear conflict between the Soviet Union and the United States. And Stanley Kubrick made it. And uh, Peter Sellers had, uh, I think, three roles or four roles. Um, and had George C. Scott and the uh, famous Slim Pickens. And uh, the story is very simple. An unhinged United States Air Force general orders a first strike nuclear attack on the Soviet Union. And it follows everyone trying to deal with that. And also, not only are they trying to get the bombers to come back to prevent the nuclear apocalypse, but it does separately follow the crew of the B-52 bomber with uh, Slim Pickens on board as they try to deliver their apocalyptic Nuclear payload. Now, Ian, what's your choice? Well, I've gone for Contagion, which, uh, because when I was at college, which was a long time ago, I used to play around with bugs in the microbiology labs. And so, therefore, it's definitely the subject for me. But rather than these being bacteria, this is all about the mixing of genetic code in viruses. So a bit like H2N2, bird flu. But in this case, it's bat, pigs and ducks. And uh, you end up with this lovely viral mess that goes on to infect people and then spread, spreads across the world incredibly quickly because of our use of aircraft. Do you know that sounds a bit like that Survivors program? It did. And if you remember, we had a conversation. Yeah, Lucy. Do you remember Lucy? I she do remember cool, Lucy. Cool. She had a very sec- nice fur, uh, little hat. In the second series, I think I was telling you that was filmed on the estate what I was dragged up on in Manchester. Yeah, that, that was, they, they had moved you off before they could do that. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd isolated our house. So it was probably so, contagious. Uh, so a contagion. Do you know I've never seen that film? But it's 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 really it's really clever. There's some proper proper science in there, which is quite frightening. Um, it goes on to show how there's a massive breakdown in social order how the political system just can't cope with the number of deaths being caused by this outbreak. Um, and it is basically down to the scientists almost experimenting on themselves to develop a vaccine that's going to work. It's a great, great film. Pretty dark, pretty horrible at places, but there is a happy ending for people well, like we all me do like a happy ending with the apocalypse. Yeah, we all like a happy ending. We do ending. like a happy ending. I, I certainly love a happy ending. Now, only in Indonesia, Mr Lawrence. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, we want things to be nice and happy over there don't but you know i think it was caravan who when they weren't singing uh, about the land of gray and pink said uh, ruth is stranger than richard what they meant was <laughs> truth is stranger than fiction and it is incredibly popular isn't it with uh, with cinema audiences this sort of this sort of thing i, I did have, have a little 
but have a little look and uh, I put in Google a few days ago, knowing this was coming up, uh, films to do with the end of the world, and it was hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, loads of them. I mean, there's that. There's wonderful ones with the um, oh, is it the day after tomorrow when we have Saturday? Little... No, no, not this week, Bill. The film. Oh, sorry, I see what yeah, you mean. The film, sorry. and there's yeah. a big freeze, and then there's a big thaw, and then there's lots of flooding. Thaw. Oh, I've seen that film, no, Thor, with his no, hammer. No, no, not comic books turned into human films. T-H-A-W, that's uh, Tango uh, yeah. Hotel Alpha Whiskey. As in John Thor, the actor. Uh, <laughs> Are we going around in circles here? <laughs> I'm surprised I, that, any, no, is it, that isn't the name of a horror film. This is award-winning radio, ladies and gentlemen. There is can one I, called Armageddon. Can I are just you, bring you back to... Are you trying to, to get uh, in, Mike? Can, we bring, can I bring you back to our subject? I was going to mention Peter Watkins' uh, The War Game which was a documentary that uh, came out, I think, in the 60s when the nuclear war was quite possible. And uh, it's so close to realism that it's frightening. But there was also a film back in the 80s, I think, which was called War Games, which was about uh, an American supercomputer that took over um, the American government's nuclear devices. And the only reason that they managed to stop it setting everything off was by playing tic-tac-toe, which Ah. I seem to recall we called... Um, Norton Crosses. And crosses. <laughs> yeah. I was struggling there for a moment. <laughs> Could we find a tic-tac-toe to stop Mr. Trump, do you think? Uh, I don't think we're at that stage yet. Him and his mate Kim, they're getting on all right, aren't they? Yeah, it's a, one a big hugging every so it, often. There is uh, a theme, isn't there? And one of these themes is that, that what we create gets out of our control and destroys us. So whether it's HAL in 2001, the computer that's sort of a bit of AI that takes over, or as you were describing there, Mike, in your film, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's quite a, well, and the an idea. In, and the yeah. In mine and so then, it's, yeah, it's humankind finds an answer. So the the sort of conceit is that humankind is the authors of their own downfall, but they have reached such a state of incompetence that uh, they are unable to stop that authoring. Well, you know, you've 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 got the answer again, haven't you, Miss Lawrence? Um, I know. There's a bit of a run of these going well, on uh, today. I know there is one thing for certain. There's absolutely just one thing for certain, isn't it? That when they make uh, when they may come to the documentary of the actual end of the world, it's not really going to have a very large audience, is it? I'm at Moranga Fort in the desert city of Jodhpur in northwest India. It was built in 1459, and it crowns a perpendicular cliff that soars up over a hundred metres above the city of pale blue and white jumbled houses below. I'm about to jump off a precarious ledge and travel on six separate zip-wire journeys, each about 300 metres long, crisscrossing the ravines and lakes and desert cactuses that lie hundreds of feet below me, flying like the numerous black kites and hawks that continually circle above the city. There are six of us in our group. We follow our two guides to the first jump site podium, a metre-square concrete slab on the rooftop at the edge of the fort. There is no support, save my harness clipped onto the wire that disappears off into the valley. It's 43 degrees, yet I feel almost cold. My group becomes silent, yet my heartbeat clangs in my ears. I look into the distance. One small step, and I will fly. My guide grins as he expertly and easily clicks my harness over the fixed line. Remember to keep your hands as we showed you. Brace your legs this way, he says. My mind races. 
Will I remember how to stop from our five second practice in the garden below? Ready, he says quietly, catching my eye intently. I nod. I can't speak. My mouth is as dry as the desert floor. I know I will regret this forever if I bail out now. So I step forward. The whole world disappears from beneath me and I'm flying. There is nothing beneath me and no noise other than the high metallic rattle of my harness locked onto the zip. I'm halfway across and I make myself rehearse the landing drill, my left hand steady on my harness to stop myself spinning round like a crazy helicopter and push my right hand with its thick leather gov onto the zip wire using it as my brake. And then I'm on the sloping wooden pier at the end of my first flight. There's proper ground under my feet and I'm grinning from ear to ear. It takes us over an hour to complete the six zip lines. We support and cheer each other on. We vary our flying order so videos and photos can be taken of takeoffs and landings. We share water and we trudge to each jettison platform with trepidation and cries of awe and surprise when the extent of each flight is revealed. The final zip line is the longest and with the deepest drop and it takes us back to the turret of Moranga Fort, travelling over a dark black lake far below. This flight feels like I've stepped off a cloud. And then it's done. I've overcome fear and flown across the desert. My guide told me before we started that he'd never met anyone who completes the course that is not smiling, and I'm smiling now. Maybe it's the influence and help from the Hindu gods and goddesses whose shrines nestle in every street. But right now, India seems to be a very happy place. of the world was near, where would you choose to be? If there was five more minutes of air, would you panic and hide, or run for your life, or stand here and spend them with me? If we had five more minutes, would I, could I, make you happy? If the end of the world was near Where would you choose to be? If there was five more minutes of air Would you panic and hide? Or run for your life? Or stand here and spend it with me? If we had five between you
Clatter with the fear of light down Why you're in a fire Represent the seven games In a government for hire In a combat site Left her wasn't coming in a hurry With her furies breathing down Your neck Team by team reporters Baffle Trump tethered crop Look at that blow plane Fine Flow, population, common group, but it'll do Save yourself, serve yourself, world serves its own needs Listen to your heart, please Tell me with the rapture and the reverence in the right, right You vitriolic, patriotic, slam fight, bright light Feeling pretty sight It's the end of the world as we know it And I feel This is Imperfecto with one of my favourites from the old Ausgang exit days. This is Mixomatosis Bombay Mix. Sounds to me as though their fingers are slipping off the keys, Mr. Lawrence. I don't really know what it is. Look, this is, uh, this is the Ausgang exit classic. Now, look, uh, we've just received a text from uh, a listener, uh, Donna in Norwich. And uh, she says, uh, I'll just read it to you. She says, I'm listening to the young and fast-fingered boys from Imperfecto whilst lying here in my bath. And I have a free back bedroom if any of them need to be accommodated overnight on their upcoming tribute tour of all the Norfolk country clubs that Ausgang Exit used to play. Uh, she adds, I have very reasonable overnight rates and I've managed three at the same time before. So squeezing in a few more boys would always be a pleasure. They might need somewhere to hide playing music like this. Yeah, well, Donna, Donna, we, we will hide. pass this over to the boys from Imperfecto. Uh, maybe, maybe it's jet lag or maybe they can't concentrate. Maybe they can't play. Um, uh, no, no, look, Ian, uh, what about those uh, who can't wait for the fiction to be fact, who want to arrive at the apocalypse before the arrival of the Four Horsemen? Mr. Lawrence, would we be talking about cults? We are. So what can you tell us, Mike? Well, when I, um, I remembered this, uh, and when I researched it, it's, uh, it's really, uh, really grim, unbelievable. The Jonestown Massacre. On November 18, 1978, 918 Americans died in the People's Temple in Jonestown, Guyana. The dead included 276 children. A tape of the temple's final meeting in the Jonestown Pavilion contains repeated discussions of the group committing revolutionary suicide. The deaths were attributed to cyanide poisoning, except for Jones, the cult leader, who shot himself. Ian, there's another. There's loads of them, Bill. 
Loads of them. Anyway, the Order of the Solar Temple, they were based in Canada from uh, 1994 to 1997. And the Order of Solar Temple's members began a series of mass suicides, which led to roughly 74 deaths. Farewell letters were left by members stating that they believed their deaths would be an escape from the hypocrisies and oppressions of this world. Rather bizarrely, records seized by the Quebec police showed that some members had personally donated over $1 million to the group's leader, Joseph D. Mambro. All the suicides occurred around the dates of the equinoxes and solstices, which is a bit of a common theme, I'm led to understand. Yeah, and there's another theme, uh, which is suicide. I'm very quickly going to mention this because of the time. Just to say, uh, March 97, there's this thing called Heaven's Gate, mass suicide in California. And these people um, believed that they were exiting their human vessels so their souls could go on a journey aboard a spaceship that was following the comet Halibop. Yeah, and one final one, on March 17, 2000, 778 members of the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God died in Uganda. Though many committed suicide, there was evidence of strangulation, while others had stab wounds. The group had diverged from the Roman Catholic Church in order to emphasise the apocalypse. The group had been called an inward-looking movement as they wore matching uniforms and restricted their speech to avoid saying anything dishonest or sinful. Sounds pretty uh, 1984-ish, doesn't it, really, Mike? Anyway, you'd think that such acts were a recent phenomena, but no. There are many historic records of mass suicides, many examples dating back to the times of the Romans and the ancient Greeks, and... uh, Funnily enough, there are examples of present-day cults as well. Yep, Go on, have you got one there, Mike? I have, the Source family, led by Jim Baker, who has the distinction of having killed a man by karate, chopping him to death. He was a founding <laughs> father in the health food movement. It wasn't Ouch. so serious, yeah. Uh, and owned the first ever cool celebrity-filled vegan restaurant in Los Angeles. Not many people knew that. Eventually, he had 13 wives who he constantly made love to. One day, he ate an insane amount of magic mushrooms and decided to skydive off a cliff where he broke his back and two days later died. That day, his star appeared in the sky over Hawaii. Oh, Do you know what? That's, that's nice. Where, yeah, that's where he took his last breath. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice lovely. Time. Well, I'd just like Anymore. to say to the listeners that we weren't laughing at the victim of the karate killing. Oh. I just had this vision of Hong Kong Philly in my head at the time. That's what I was struggling with. Go on, go on, can you think of one more cult, Ian, very quickly? Uh, the Rajneesh? Yes, uh, I know them, yes. This lot had a thousand acres in Oregon and built and it was built entirely by themselves, a fully functioning, self-sufficient city, which even had its own airport. And all this, uh, they're constantly enjoying the pleasures of free love and open sex. Nice. Then, the, then the locals all got a bit mad yeah. and the Rajneesh confronted them yeah. and then the cult secretary went a little bit off his mind. And he tried to poison the water supplies and kill all the politicians. But no, let's, let's not dwell on the grim, the gruesome and the gory. Cults can be fun. fun. They can be absolutely... Let's not forget the British rock band The Cult, formed in 1983, uh, still going. A sort of fusion, isn't it, between, uh, aren't they, between Led Zeppelin, The Doors and sort of post-punk goth rocks. But we're not going to play The Cult for you. Instead, we're going to have a poem. Red Phone Box English icon. Give us our country back. The good old days. The red phone box cast iron on village green. The good old days. Honey for tea on white bread. At night, the red box, a beacon of light. Inside, the receiver, now a symbol of nostalgia, 
two-piece Bakelite anthracite black. If someone answers, press button A. If no answer, do not press A, press B. If by mistake you press button A, no money back if you do not press B. Money back by pressing B, no guarantee. If young children have stuffed snot-filled hankies up the refund chute of press button B to cash in penny coppers when the phone box is free, give us our country back. Cue lines in the rain as some selfish bloke is hogging the phone. One bangs impatient knuckles on oblongs of glass as the cold shoulder culprit inserts more copper coins. Now on the village green, three silent figures sit benched in the silence of three iPhone oblongs of light. Soft thumbs darting like minnows, padding left, right, into the dark night, propelling WhatsApp, Snapchat, photos that last 30 seconds before fading out. And the red box's last rusting place is Little England, hedged in the corner of a country Brexiteer's garden, where truth has as much trust as the rust in the red box. To counter such boxed insularity, parish councils with communal charity have fitted 80 defibrillators into red phone boxes. As the Tour de France tracked through Finchingfield, Essex, a heart attack would have killed a retired local doctor, but for the action of a woman post office worker who stabilised him with a red box, yellow cabinet defibrillator. Give us our country back in the battle of the red phone boxes. Already adopted as libraries in Lincolnshire and Cheshire, as book exchanges in Felstead and Willow Green, Essex. But how many books can be slotted into phone boxes? Ask the government, hard slashers of council grants. Inspired by flora and local plant fauna, a red box with stained glass panels created. One with ordnance survey maps for hill walkers, red boxes with local information and postcards, red boxes as pubs, the dog and bone, mini repair stations, a beauty salon, a red box adopted as a place of tranquility, playing soft music for people under stress. Near Settle, a red box photographic exhibition, a village lost and found could be seen in the world's smallest art gallery on the green. These installations may be small consolation to counter privatisation, xenophobic nostalgia. But in the words of Nelson Mandela, great things are done through cooperation when a series of small things are brought together.
And I'd just like to say that that poem, so beautifully read for us by Yvonne, was written by our very own Mike Harwood, and it is in his poetry anthology, Words Count, and that's available in all good bookshops or for a fee. Mike will come round to your back garden and uh, deliver the poems for you in person. So, one more chance. Boys, go for it. is Imperfecto with Lucky Shoestring and the brand new Conquer, and they've completely ruined one of my favourites. But anyway, you're welcome to join us here. We're on Box 39 and we're on 106.6 FM Com Rodeo. It contains the word imperfect. What do you mean? They are imperfect. As in oh, not imperfect. Do you know, I thought it was just a very clever way of saying I'm perfect. I think you're and they wrong. just forgotten the apostrophe. No, I think you're wrong. Unlike Mike's poem, that was not perfect. Oh well, look, they gave it their best shot, didn't they? And 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 we're going to have to speak to the contracts team at Com Radio HR. Sack them. Well, it's certainly up for a major rethink. Mike, what's next? Well, I have another five words for you: the War of the Worlds. Ooh, ooh, my turn, my turn. War of the Worlds is, was, a science fiction novel by the English author H.G. Wells, and it first appeared in the UK in 1897. Having never been out of print, it might even be considered to be popular, and uh, it certainly influenced films, dramas, certainly a record album, comic books, and television series. It was most memorably dramatised in a 1938 radio programme that allegedly caused public panic among listeners, who did not know that the Martian invasion was actually fictional. It was a one-hour programme and began with a theme music for the Mercury Theatre, an announcement that the evening show was an adaptation of War of the Worlds and a prologue by the man himself, Orson Cart. I mean, Orson Welles. The next half hour of the broadcast was presented as a typical evening of radio programming being interrupted by a series of news bulletins describing a series of explosions observed on Mars and a seemingly unrelated report of an unusual object falling on a farm in New Jersey. Then there's a live report that details how Martians are emerging from the cylinder and attacking using a heat ray. Yeah, and the news updates then detail the alien invasion taking place around the world and the futile efforts of the US military to stop it. Giant Martian war machines are releasing clouds of poisonous smoke across New York City. That's right, and the radio drama then follows a survivor dealing with the aftermath of the invasion and the ongoing Martian occupation of Earth. As in the original novel, the story ends with the discovery that the Martians have been defeated by microbes rather than by humans. And I must must just say that uh, my um, uh, partner wife in the, in the States, in America, uh, her uh, parents were actually in a car, courting in a car when they heard it, and they thought it was real. And they uh, they drove something like 80 miles, 80 kilometers uh, an hour, 
to, uh, to try and get safety. So it was actually quite real for, and scary for people. I'm sorry if anyone's just disturbed. That was a noise. I've never seen your hairpiece ping off like that before, Ian. It's the tape. It's not working particularly well yeah. today. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, let's get back to the yeah, world. Anyway, the programme has become famous for supposedly tricking those listeners into believing that the Martian invasion was actually taking place. That's right. The illusion of realism was further furthered because the Mercury Theatre on air was a show without commercial breaks. There are advantages in not having adverts. Well, it was a great musical as well, wasn't it? Uh, Jeff, John Wayne? Or was it Jeff Wayne, his brother? <laughs> Jeff Wayne, wasn't it? 1978. Do you know, by 2009, it was the 40th best-selling album of all time ever in the history of, of the world in the UK. Could Jeff Wayne ride a horse as well as his brother? Um, it depends what sort of horse. Rocking horse, maybe? Maybe, maybe. Anyway, who was on the original album, Mike? Well, there was uh, Burton Richard. Or was it Richard Burton, the narrator? Uh, Justin Hayward, Moody Blues, David Essex, Phil Linnott, and Julian Covington. Well, it's a wonderful. It's, it's just gone on and on. It's like a franchise, isn't it? But it's it's uh, maybe it's is the end of that franchise now. But it's not the end of the world for this franchise. But it's nearly the end of our end of the world show. Albert Einstein said, "Only two things are infinite: the universe and human stupidity." And I'm not sure about the former. It seems like we since you looked at me, baby, without that look of distaste. I don't know why your feelings are changing, but I've seen it in your face. All those times when our lips were kissing, our tongues were telling lies. All those signs I've been missing were right there in your eyes. So come on, babe, let's kiss this thing goodbye. Let's kiss this thing goodbye. We are all sitting, legs crossed around a fire. We're wearing nothing, nothing but our shadows. Minds will wander to wondrous places. So why would we care about getting out of this place? You and me and all our friends, such a happy human race. So let's eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. Because we're tripping billies. Don't worry about it. Let's not be silly. Let's just kiss this thing goodbye. So come on, babe, let's kiss this thing goodbye. Let's kiss this thing goodbye. And it really is time for us to say goodbye as well. I'm Bill Lawrence. I've been with Mike Harwoody and Talentire and Adrian Cohen. And that was the Box 39 End of the World Show. Now stay here on 106.6 FM Colm Radio where magic begins. Because coming up next is our sister show, Red Button, with impromptu later evening discussion, great music, and our very special guest, the man with Colchester in his bones and a wobbly bike ride home to Stanway later. It's Bob May. So, from Studio One, up here on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, high above the full and fertile lands of North East Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Come on, babe, let's kiss this thing. Come on, babe, let's kiss this thing goodbye. Better make it sooner than later 
before it all turns sour We better kiss this thing goodbye Box 39 has been a Guppy production for Comb Radio.